glad that you're here with us today. Whether you're here in the room with us or you're joining us online, I think this is the best place to spend a Sunday morning, and I'm always grateful that I get to spend it with all of you. Joined with my friends Steve and Cheryl today, and we're continuing our series called Ready or Not, where we're looking at some small decisions that can have a big impact in our lives, in our relationships. And so today we're gonna talk about the decision to care for our mind. You see, God cares deeply about our minds, about our thoughts, about our mental well-being. so much so that we see God talk about it and teach about it all throughout the scriptures. And so we wanna leave you with some really practical suggestions today for how to care for your mind. Also recognizing that it might not look exactly the same for all of us, that there's gonna be diversity and personalities and experiences. And so, you know, the three of us have been talking about how you know, significant it was for each of us when we first realized that you have the ability to think about what you think about. And so when did that start for each of you? You know, it's kind of funny when you asked that question this week and we were talking about it, it brought up some emotions and thoughts as I uh, tried to think back to when I really started thinking about my thinking. And um, it really started for me in high school. I think it was more subconscious at that time. But when it came to my family and what I was going through, I had, I was in a home where there was alcoholism and mental health issues. There was a multitude of suicide attempts and I did not like my home. <laughs> and so when I went to school, I made a subconscious conscious decision yeah. to what am I gonna be there? And I don't know if this might be a shock to some of you, but I ended up my senior year becoming the class clown. That's what I won, <laughs> class clown, uh, at the end of my senior year. And I, what I found, or at least what I realized, that if mm. I make people laugh and I have a positive attitude, no yeah. one asks you about your family or okay. your life. Yeah. And so I just was always assumed that I think everything's fine. And so it helped me to kind of compartmentalize my life. I didn't want to yeah. talk about my mom yeah. and my situation or how home was such a lonely place because no one was ever there. My mom got remarried and moved out to another state. My dad worked every night in business mm -hmm. and I'm home was a lonely place. Wow. And so I didn't, everyone went over there. And so I think at that time I made some conscious decisions mm -hmm. <laughs> and over time I realized that it was like a defense mechanism and it, and it helped mm -hmm. me keep people at a distance yeah. and, and it helped me to feel accepted. And you, you said something earlier where you said, um, kept me away from reality, but I think I lived two realities and I was okay with that. Yeah. I didn't want that reality. Yeah, I wanted exactly. my reality of being, having yeah. friends, making people laugh and having people like me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was, yeah, it was a, some conscious thinking there that rolled yeah. over for many, many years. And here we are yeah. 40 years later, still well, rest. I, I still want people to like me, please like me. So much of us, I mean, I can relate to that. The, that as a child growing up, that there were things that were too difficult to face. Uh, and so part of the way that we got through it was some of what you described. It uh, might look different for me, might look different for some of you, but I think many of us can relate to that. We might not have become the class clown, but we might have become the teacher's pet or you know, um, some, other, some other thing that we do because what's happening at home is just, it's too hard, it's too much. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, my sister and I are such close people, best friends, but we took totally different paths Absolutely. in the same homes. Yeah. 
All right, Cheryl, what about you? Because I know your story is different. Your experience is different, and I love this. Um, so, yes, it is different. Um, I've really only started to think about what I think about yeah. probably about four years ago. So I went through my life up until that point being totally unaware of what I was thinking. Um, what caught my attention was the way I was feeling. So I was having a lot of feeling of anxiety and fear, resentment, all negative kinds of emotions. And I finally said, I'm tired of feeling this way. I need to do something to feel better. Yeah. And so I didn't know how to do that. So I started reading. I sought out some people who could help me with that. And what I discovered was my feelings were coming from my thoughts. Yeah. And so um, it's super interesting our, um, our minds and our brains, whenever we have a negative thought, it produces chemicals. Mm-hmm. And we have a positive thought, it produces other chemicals. And um, so the negative chemicals make us breathe shallow. Mm-hmm. They make our muscles get tense. Our yes, our heart races. So um, those were the things that were causing me to have these negative emotions. So, um, so that's kind of how I started. And um, something that I learned from a researcher who was um, writing about and talking about these thoughts was um, A-N-T-S. Hmm. He said A-N-T-S, ants. I was like, what's that? Ants, that's weird. Automatic negative thoughts is what he called it. Because um, science shows us that really the majority of our thoughts are negative and they just show up. All kinds of thoughts go through our heads every day. Some of them we're aware of and some of them we're not. But if we really pay attention, they're more negative than we realize, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. When you first said the ant thing, like I just had this picture. I remember when my coffee, you know, I opened up my coffee and it was full of ants. And it was like, this is something supposed to be really awesome. I'm making coffee, which is my favorite drink. And now it's full. And when you said that ant thing in my head, thinking of like how it takes over and it's just subtle and... Ooh. But there's a lot of them. Yeah. That it, so really... that's what it's like in our mind. <laughs> yeah, we when we ants. have all these thoughts going, it's like, it's like ants in your head. That's yeah. what I'm picturing. Yeah, I think so. How many I... of you are, are itchy now? <laughs> like you feel like something's crawling on you. So, um, so what I learned was I needed to pay attention first to my feelings because yeah. that, was, that was saying, hey, that's my body going, hey, something's yeah. wrong. And so when that happened, I need to stop sometimes mm-hmm. and I would write down what I was thinking, what was going on, and then I have to really look at that thought objectively mm-hmm. and say, is that true? Mm-hmm. Because not everything that we think is true. I mean, for me, that's been something that as I've learned that and held on to that and come back to that over and over again, it's been a big part of helping me find healing and freedom to go, wait a second, just because a thought pops into my mind doesn't necessarily make it true? I mean, it's kind of, how has that helped you? Because it's been so helpful for me. What do we do with that? Yes. Um... That, <laughs> that was a revolutionary thing yeah. for me, just to, to stop and say, just because it's in here doesn't mean it's yeah. true. Um, so that was the first step of really investigating what my thoughts were, yeah. looking at them, saying, is it true? Um, Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, mm-hmm. he gives us this list of characteristics of the things that we should think about. Yeah. And it's like true, noble, right, 
praiseworthy. Thank yeah, you. all those good ones. Yeah. It's a big long list. Yeah. And, and he says, these are the things we should think about. And the first thing on that list is true. So for me, that's the first thing I ask. And I, and sometimes when you look at it, you say, is that true? And you go, yeah, it's true. But is it really true? Is it true, true? Is it true, true? (laughs) Have you ever needed a little bit of help with that? Because I I know for me, sometimes when when I'm realizing, wait a second, I'm thinking this. It's not making me feel great. Is it true? Sometimes it feels true to me. And I've needed someone that's objective, like you talked about, someone that is wiser than me to help me see that, in fact, it's not true. Um, And sometimes it's true, but then my next question is, is it helpful? Because sometimes we can beat ourselves up for something we've done in the past that God already has forgiven, but we are struggling to forgive ourselves. Well, is it true that I did the thing? Well, yeah, I can't really argue with that, but is it helpful? Mm -mm. No. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And so what I found was I needed to begin a practice. We talked a little bit about practice. I needed to begin a practice of, you know, kind of proactively thinking about good things. Because in the beginning, it was just kind of coming back against a negative thought. Mm -hmm. But then it was like, let me start just practicing in my day and in my life, taking opportunities Mm -hmm. to think about good things. Yeah. So we talked about practice all throughout the services so far. This is something that takes time and intention and practice. It's not something that comes naturally for us. And depending on our personality and how we're wired, what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for everybody. And Steve, you have something that you do in the mornings that I, I think is so helpful for some of us. Yeah, you know, when you, when you realize over my time, I know I need to do the same thing, right? Keep my mind on the things that are good. And so my morning has become a very important time in my life. If I, I hate if I leave and I don't at least get an hour of just, of just quiet and rest and, and seeking better things and beautiful things. But I've also realized that I have a hard time like doing one thing for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Someone calls, I've heard this term called attention deficit disorder or something. I might have that. I'm not okay, sure. But is it true? But, is it true? Yeah, it might be true. <laughs> But my wife and I have disagreements. But so what I've found is in the morning, I do a multitude of things, not one thing. Yeah. And that's become something that I realize I operate better. I was talking to your daughter earlier and she loves to read. She's always reading. My kids are readers and she's reading this book. And I asked her like, do you like books that have long chapters or short chapters? She said yeah. short chapters. Uh-huh. And I'm all, me too. I will grab a book. And if the chapter's too long, I'm not even going to start it. Because I won't get through a whole chapter. If the chapters are a page or two, then, I, then I'll end up reading 10 chapters, but I can stop at any time. So I literally have three devotions I go through in the morning. Okay. And they're shorter, different, different focuses. But I have found to have one long one for me, mm-hmm. I lose my interest. My brain needs to kind of be like, oh, I read that, I can think about it, I read that, I'll think about it, I read that, I'll think about it. I take a little portion of the Old Testament and a little portion of the New and yeah. a little portion in between. Yeah. And I do it so it comes in chunks for me. And my wife and I, we can't hardly read together. 
You wait, you mean you don't do devotions together every yeah. morning? Well, she's like, let's read and talk and what? Like, she wants to ask questions in the first five minutes of a movie. And I always go like, honey, if we already knew that answer, this would be a really bad movie, right? <laughs> like, let's just let it unfold. So we have such different ways that we yeah. do that. She could read the same thing on the same subject for an hour or two. Yeah. I have to break it up you and mix variety. it up. So for me, that's become a practice for me yeah. of allowing that hour to not be this like, meditative for an hour, read from Genesis and just keep reading all. I just finished Leviticus this morning. Praise the Lord. I got through it. You know, did you I'm really, doing... or was that a joke? No, no, I really did. I, I, wow. well, not in one sitting, but I, <laughs> as I'm reading through yeah, yeah. So, but somebody give this guy a gold star. Yeah. Leviticus so it's in, so tough. it's in chunks for me and those, yeah, and those short, like the practice of taking short little things and just kind yeah. of looking at all those, having all little things and I read through them. Uh, it ends up being a beautiful time for me. And, yeah. and uh, my brain does really well. Reading that, putting aside, reading that, putting aside. I don't try to figure out what I'm learning. I just kind of let it be. Yeah. I never know what's going to happen. And it's, and it's really uh, it's really cool. You said, well, you led us in prayer this week at a staff retreat. And, and at one time you kind of talked about, we're just sitting there, no one's around but God. And I realized that solitude for me is a place where my mind becomes chaotic. Yeah. When I'm in chaos, like here with all you guys around and we're out there, I'm at peace. Mm-hmm. I'm at peace. It's, hey, what's up? How you doing? This is great. Oh, I'm at peace. So to you, you, like it's a little different, right? But to me, when I go home and I'm by myself, that's when I just start feeling the chaos. Maybe yeah. it's from my past. Maybe it's from whatever my life is. Yeah. So I've had to learn how to, you know, help during that quiet time to... Yeah. Yeah. How to care? How to care for your mind? How to care for my in mind in that experience, based and, on how I am. Yes, and I yeah. love the freedom that that you're you're both bringing to us today. That what works for one person might not necessarily work for everybody. What your morning is for you that you have found that helps you bring helps bring well-being to you might not work for everybody else. And there's freedom in that. It doesn't even work for your wife. And that's good. And so I appreciate both of you so much. Thank you for allowing us into um, the inside spaces of your mind a little yeah. bit. Would you give them a hand this morning? So good. So, you know, here's the thing. What we think about matters. Our mind matters. God cares about our thoughts. God cares about our mind because what we understand now is that our thoughts lead the way and our feelings and our actions, they follow. There's this cycle that happens. We think, whether we're aware of those thoughts or not, and most of the time we're not aware of them, they create feelings in us, like what Cheryl talked about, and it's out of those feelings that we then take action in our life. Have you ever had an open mouth insert foot moment or like a thing where you thought, gosh, where did that even come from? Unconscious thoughts that are creating feelings that then are causing us to take action. So whether we're looking at the Psalms or we're looking at the book of Proverbs or we're looking at the teaching of the Apostle Paul, we see that our mind matters to God. The Apostle Paul said really so much of it when he talked about how we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. This is where you and I can learn to partner with God in our own transformation process by thinking about what we think about. Now, I was on a walk a couple of weeks ago, and this is something that I have learned to practice. I do it as often as I possibly can. And I'm outside, and when I'm walking, this is when I'm trying to quiet my mind. I'm trying to get rid of those ants that are going crazy in my mind, and I'm focusing on being present 
with God in creation. And part of the way that I'm doing that is I'm paying attention to what I see and I'm listening to the world around me. I don't have worship music on. I don't have, you know, a podcast playing, but I'm just trying to get really present in the moment. And on this walk a couple of weeks ago, what came to mind was a passage of scripture. And all of a sudden I realized for the very first time that in this passage of scripture, Jesus teaches us mindfulness. He teaches us how to take care of our mind. And so that's what I want to share with you this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12. Jesus is talking and he says, don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or if the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There's far more to your inner life than the food you put in your stomach. More to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the ravens, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, carefree in the care of God, and you count far more. Now, I want to pause there with you, and let's talk a little bit about the context here. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's not speaking to everyone right now. He's speaking to his followers who already had all of their basic human necessities met. These were not individuals who were worried about where their food was going to come from or if they would have a safe place to sleep at night. These were normal people, much like you and I, And he's speaking to them. He's saying, don't fuss about what's on the table. Don't fuss about the clothes hanging in your closet. Now, what Jesus is not doing here is he's not telling them to ignore reality or pain or disappointment or loss or deep emotional wounds. He's not talking about that. He's talking about something different. Now, some of you might be used to this passage saying, don't worry or don't be anxious. I like the message paraphrase here where it says, don't fuss. Uh, Did anybody else grow up in the South like me? No. So I'm the only one in this room who says to my kids, don't fuss at me. Because I grew up hearing that. Don't you fuss. Don't fuss at me. My kids probably are the only ones in kids ministry who know what that word even means. It's a Southern word. But here's the thing. When we are worried, we're ruminating in our thoughts. It creates anxious feelings in us. And then out of that anxiety, what do we do? We fuss and we complain. We, we take action, it moves us into action. And so what Jesus is talking about here, the way that word can be translated, I want you to see it here. I keep losing it in my notes, but I want you to know the exact word. Uh, He says, distracting cares. Distracting cares. This is so much different than pain and loss in our life. A distracting care. Do not fuss about or be worried about or be anxious about those distracting cares. So when I was thinking this week, what is an example of a distracting care in my life that I've experienced? And do you know what came to mind was a story from the first year Ryan and I were married So we're talking almost 15 years ago now. And we decided to have my sister-in-law and brother-in-law over to our house for dinner. Now what you need to know about me is I had never hosted 
people at my home for a meal before. That wasn't something that we grew up doing or experiencing, and I do not have the gift of hospitality. That did not get given to me, but I really wanted, I wanted to be a good wife, and I wanted to be a good sister-in-law, and if I'm being really honest with you, I wanted to impress my sister-in-law. So we had this tiny little 651 square foot apartment, and it was a nice apartment, but none of our stuff was nice. Do you remember what it was like the first year you got married? We were eating our meal on a card table with folding chairs. This is reality. We had a couch someone gave to us. I don't even know where it lived before it came to live with us, so we just Lysoled the thing. But here we are, and I'm wanting it to be perfect. So I fussed. And I was worried and I was anxious about what the house was gonna look like and what, we were gonna, what I was gonna cook that night. And do you know that I decided to cook salmon that night? Do you think I had ever cooked salmon before in my life? Here I am hosting people at my house and I decide to cook a brand new recipe for the very first time. Do you know how that turned out? How many of you have done that before? You're inviting people over to your house and you try a brand new recipe for the first time? Why do we do this? So I'm making the salmon and I, it wasn't even completely cooked. So, but they were gracious and so they ate it anyways and thankfully no one got sick. But here's the point of the story. We finish eating and I look over to my kitchen, which was literally like right here, 651 square foot apartment. And it was a disaster because I had just cooked salmon. So I get up from the table while we're in the middle of conversation and I start cleaning the kitchen, thinking I need my house to be clean because there's people in my house because I'm feeling all of this stuff, all of these distracting cares. And again, I didn't know what I was doing. And a couple of weeks later, we're all together at my in-law's house and I hear my mother-in-law ask my sister-in-law how the dinner was. I'm there, they weren't having this conversation without me. And my sister-in-law just absent-mindedly said, yo, it's really good. Uh, you know, but Carissa, she got up in the middle of our conversation and started cleaning the kitchen. It was in that moment that I realized that was a little bit of a social faux pas. That <laughs> might have made them feel like I'm trying to get them out of my house instead of being present with them and caring for them in the moment. It was a distracting care that distracted me from being with the people in my life, from experiencing the peace and the joy and the goodness of family and conversation. That's what Jesus is talking about in this passage of scripture, this distracting cares. So let's pick it up. He goes on, Jesus says, has anyone by fussing before the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? If fussing can't even do that, why fuss at all? And then he says, walk into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They don't fuss with their appearance, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the wildflowers, most of them never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? And then he goes on and he says, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way that he works, they fuss over these things. But you 
know both God and how he works. Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Now this word steep, I wanna draw your attention to it because it's really important to what we're talking about today. It literally means to seek by thinking. When you steep yourself in God reality and God provisions and God initiative, you seek the reality of God, the action of God, the love and the goodness of God by focusing your thinking on it. Do you remember when Scott had the cookie up here a few weeks ago and he talked about how the cookie is there whether we focus our attention on it or not, whether we notice it or not? That's what Jesus is talking about. Seek God at work in your life whether you realize it or not, steep yourself in God. You'll find that all of your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. Jesus is speaking to us when our mind is filled with all of these distracting cares with all of these ants. And so I wonder for you today, what, what are your distracting cares? What are the things that sometimes keep you from experiencing the reality of the goodness of the people in your life? The reality of the goodness of God at work in your life? I'm helping to coach my daughter Abby's softball team right now. It's uh, girls six and under. And so you can pray for me because this might be the hardest leadership job I've ever been given. And our very first game a couple weeks ago, one of the little girls, I mean, she's five, she's just tiny. And she's getting ready to be up on deck to hit the ball. And she comes and she walks up to me. And I could tell that she was standing there because she had something really important that she wanted to say to me. She's standing there, she's looking up. So I kind of get down like this so that I can see her eye to eye. And the moment I do, she looks at me and she says, when I get ready to have to hit the ball, I feel really nervous. I said, I know, I know kiddo. I think everybody feels that way a little bit. That was her distracting care. What is your distracting care? And so what Jesus teaches us to do in the midst of those distracting cares is to get outside and breathe. Now, the good news is that you and I live in Southern California. We pay to be able to go outside 365 days a year. If you are joining us online and it's snowing where you live, you're going to have to just go lock yourself in a closet. I'm really sorry. But what Jesus says is walk outside and go look at the wildflowers. Do you know on my walks what I love to do this time of the year? Do you know what's blooming for about the next five days and then they're gone? The cherry blossoms and the poppies. Yes, you're right. I'm going to give you credit for that answer. You get an A+. Plus. But in my neighborhood, it's the cherry blossoms and then they're gone. Go look. Get outside and breathe. And when we breathe and we become aware of the present moment, of the God reality in creation around us that helps to center us and focus our attention. And then, what do I see? Jesus draws our attention to the flowers and to the birds, to creation, to the God reality around us. And then, what do I hear? 
When was the last time you were outside and you just listened? Birds make noise. That wasn't by accident that Jesus used them here in this illustration. Do you know what else I noticed on my walk yesterday that's making all kinds of noise in my neighborhood? Frogs. I have been walking in this neighborhood now for almost six years. I have never heard frogs. There are frogs everywhere. I don't know what happened. (laughs) So what do I see? What do I hear? What do I smell? Those flowers, they produce a fragrance. So you're, you're connecting with the present moment with your senses. Jesus is saying, let's not focus on those distracting cares. Let's get present in the moment. And sometimes that means getting outside. What do I see? What do I hear? What do I smell? And then we want to choose what we think about. Because sometimes even outside on these walks, my head is just all chaos and I can't quiet my mind. And so in those moments, it helps for me to replace the thought or thoughts with something that is true, that is helpful. And sometimes it's just something simple like, God, help me trust you. God, help me trust you. Or reminding myself, I am loved. I am loved. Sometimes it's a passage of scripture. Psalm 23 has been one that has been very meaningful for me and continues to be. And you know that sometimes it doesn't even mean that I need to get through the whole passage. Sometimes it's simply just, God, you are my shepherd and I have all that I need. You are my shepherd, and I have all that I need. So we're outside. What do I see? What do I hear? What do I smell? And then replacing those thoughts with truth. Sometimes it's worship music. I think especially earlier on when I was first learning how to take captive these thoughts that were going through my head, sometimes worship music, I needed it. I needed it to drown out what was going on in my own mind. I needed to focus on the words, on the lyrics. I needed to sing them out loud. I needed to focus my attention on the music. And so maybe that's something that you might find helpful. Now, can we also talk though about what happens when this doesn't work? Because some of you are gonna go this week and you're gonna try this, and I hope you do, because this is a practice. This is something that we learn to do. We develop it over time, but I'm gonna be really honest with you today and tell you that there are still times in my own life when I am outside and I am on the walk and I am doing all the things that I know how to do and then all the other things that I know how to do that I don't even have time to share with you today. And do you know what? It's still not helping. It's like, have you ever been in a pool with a beach ball? and you're trying to keep the beach ball under the water. Have you ever done that before? And then what happens is it's a lot of work, and it's slippery, and then all of a sudden it pops up out of the water. Sometimes that's what our experience is like, because it's not just distracting cares. It's deep emotions, it's pain, it's loss, it's life that's happening to us. And we're doing all the things to keep the beach ball under the water, and then all of a sudden, pops out. It's in those moments when I know that I need a little bit of help, that I need some support. Sometimes that's the support and the help of a friend. Sometimes that's a conversation with my spouse. Sometimes that means I need to text my therapist and I need to get back on their calendar. God uses all of those things in our life for good 
to bring transformation and healing in our lives. And so if that's you and you're here this weekend and you're gonna try this and you're still gonna find that all that stuff in there just isn't quieting down, send us an email. We would love to connect you with some helpful resources that you can trust because God is in those places working in those ways as well. And so my challenge for all of us this week, it's gonna rain tomorrow, so you might get off the hook tomorrow. But can you listen to Jesus and walk outside and look at the flowers and the birds and spend some time of focused attention on the reality of God and creation? Connect with your breath, the spirit of God within you, Think a thought intentionally that is true, that is good. This is one of the ways that we care for our mind. And so what's gonna happen right now is the team's gonna come back out. They're gonna lead us in a final worship song. And I wanna invite you to take a moment to practice some of this now. So focus your attention maybe on the lyrics on the screen and to stay really focused on those. Or maybe what you do is you get really focused on the music behind the lyrics, on the instruments, and you just really tune into that. Or maybe you just focus on singing out loud and really thinking through and embracing the truth of the message in the song. But can we take a few moments together and just kind of practice being present here in the room? So I'm gonna invite you to stand and I'm gonna pray over you and then they're gonna lead us in the song together. God, we thank you. I thank you that you care so deeply about us, that you would remind us to consider the birds and the lilies, to take moments to be present to you in your creation. Thank you, God, that we can be transformed as you renew our minds. Thank you, God, that this is a process. It's a lifelong process of learning that we're not aiming for perfection, but we're aiming to partner with you in the process. Help us, God, to not be distracted by those cares so that we can enjoy you and the people in our lives in significant ways. And for those of us who are here, God, that might be carrying something heavier, that might be working really hard to keep that beach ball under the water, remind us that you are with us too. And maybe give us a little bit of courage to reach out for the support that we need. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.